at the end of the day, you can really only change yourself. And the interesting thing about changing yourself is that it changes how people react to you. You know, when you're really trying to claim your self-worth and use your voice, part of what you have to really be prepared with is that people don't know what to do with you. You know, and I've, I've had this experience with my parents, for example, you know, when I stopped being the family doormat, then like my parents, and my siblings really didn't know what to do with me. Welcome to the Driven Woman podcast, where career and business women operating in traditionally male dominated spaces come for advanced conversations to accelerate their journey towards success. You'll be inspired to abandon all paradigms around money influence, lifestyle, and achievement so that you can create your own rules. I'm your host, Sophia Bryan, international lawyer and leadership coach for women. Are you ready to unleash the leader within? Let's get into today's episode. Hey there, Driven Women. I have another amazing guest for you today, and she's the world's leading expert in opening the door to health performance, and innovation through what's called the vagus nerve. Vagus. So if you've never heard that word before, she's going to be telling us about that nerve and why it's so important. She's a storyteller for the human body, has extensive background in stress management, chronic conditions, and people who haven't found success. She now focuses on strengthening the leading edge of businesses, speakers, entertainers, athletes, artists, and medical professionals. She's a physical therapist, board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, certified athletic trainer, and certified exercise expert for aging adults. Make welcome my guest, Melanie Weller. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm extremely curious. As I was saying to you prior to, um, I started to record. So, uh, but before we get into the technical stuff, um, I want you to let my audience know a little bit about where you're from, what your childhood was like, and if that played a role in what you're doing today. Oh, my childhood is, it absolutely did play a role in what I'm doing today. I grew up in Northern Virginia, outside Mm -hmm. of Washington, D.C., And uh, I had very, um, uh, I'll say on paper, I had very good parents. Like my parents Mm -hmm. are very good, but you know, but we all have, you know, like I'll say as a parent now, you know, we all have our own shortcomings, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and my childhood story is very much about lost voice. Mm. And it was, I did not grow up in an environment where it was safe to express my emotions Mm. or where that was a welcome conversation, <laughs> you know, yeah. and the conversation, uh, I always had with my mom, you know, we've had it a million times in a million different ways. And she knows this now too, is that I would say, I feel fill in the blank. And she would mm-hmm. say, no, that's not true. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> and, so, and so, well, and then when I was in maybe fourth grade, or so I would say it probably started, I did youth choir mm-hmm. in, from kindergarten through eighth grade, but I would mm-hmm. say probably when I made the shift from like the children's choir to the youth choir, which I think mm-hmm. was a third or fourth grade kind of thing. Okay. Uh, my choir instructor started making me mouth the words Oh, because I had a strong voice, but it wasn't always up to her level of satisfaction. Wow. <laughs> and so I can't believe this. And so wow. I didn't have and because I didn't have a voice at home or I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I had a voice at home, I didn't tell my parents. Now when I told mm-hmm. my mom that story as an adult, she's like, you know I would have gone and you know, read her the riot act for mm-hmm. doing that. Right. You know, I mean now I can see that, but at that age, you know, that's not where I, you know, when you're in it, that's that's not where my thought process was as a child. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was I was very timid, and um, so my and so the vagus nerve innervates your vocal cords. Oh, okay. And so it's been very, uh, you know, I recognize that this path that I've been on has been very much about healing my own vagus nerve. Mm. And the vocal part of it has really been 
for me, the last frontier, because as a physical therapist, all of the vocal problems went to the speech therapist, the speech language mm-hmm. pathologist. I, yeah. you know, I didn't directly treat people for that most of the time. So that's been one of the later pieces of this that I've mastered. And mm-hmm. of course, because it's the whole reason that I <laughs> needed it in the first yeah, place, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it was the last piece to, uh, to really reveal itself to me. Um, and then, I, and I even learned within the last couple of years or so that lost voices is, is the karmic backstory in my astrology chart. And that really mm, blew me away. Okay. then. <laughs> okay. So it's really, uh, um, you know, and so, so I'm so grateful for this opportunity to use my voice mm-hmm. for you sharing your platform, because yes. I know I heal a piece of myself every time I, uh, get to use it (laughs) yeah yes you're welcome okay any more regarding childhood and what you're doing now oh well um well I'll just kind of I'll fast forward that a little bit I married my high school sweetheart oh my god (laughs) and he uh and he was in the navy for 20 years and so I was a great navy wife because I was so good at suppressing my emotions from not Mm. having a voice And so things really like my, this whole aspect that I'm going to talk about here really came through um, or really evolved actually after he retired Mm. because I had nobody else's expectations to hold myself together for. (laughs) Right, right. And so it was, it's, you know, really this whole process evolved really in the midst of a huge crisis where my physical body was falling apart, my professional life was falling apart, and my marriage was falling apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, trauma, you know, I've really come to understand is an initiation mm-hmm. and it's an invitation into a different way of being. Mm-hmm. And we often need to work through the victimization part of it, but if we can get through that, it's absolutely uh, allows us to... to it's an invitation to step into something bigger than we ever imagined ourselves mm, mm, to do. Mm. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, I definitely agree with that because um, I've, you know, I've seen instances in my own life where things that are just weird would happen. And then I reflect and I'm like, okay, it was because for some reason I wasn't brave enough or I didn't think it was appropriate or it wasn't nice enough to, to, to say no, or to just say, uh, I'm not interested or to just say, you know, back away, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, this is really interesting. Okay. So how did you turn this into a business venture? (laughs) How did that, how did you even think of that? Oh, well, I was introduced probably 20, I've been a physical therapist for almost 25 years now. Mm. So I would say more than 20 years ago, I was introduced to the concept of the vagus nerve getting pinched as it exits the base of your skull. Mm. And that was a technique that, uh, that I used many times for people that weren't getting better. And I'm very early in my career, I ended up working with people that had failed multiple other interventions or been mm. failed by multiple other yeah. interventions, you know, that hadn't responded to, uh, other physical therapy, chiropractor, surgical, you know, injection, whatever, Mm. you know, many, many other kinds of interventions. And so I got kicked out of the box Mm. very often and very early in my career. And I was fortunate. I had a great education at the University of Southern California and really came out of PT school with a decent understanding of how to look at somebody head to toe Mm. and not just you know, to have somebody come to me with hip pain and only look at their hip or only look at their hip and, you know, to really have this, to connect what was happening systemically with them. Mm -hmm. And it was, and when you spend time with people uh, in those conditions, because they take, or I'm old enough to have uh, practice when PTs had a lot more time with their mm-hmm. patients than they do right now. And PTs in general spend more time with their patients than some other practitioners mm-hmm. do. And 
what I heard over and over was how what was happening inside of their bodies Mm -hmm. was very metaphoric for what was happening outside of their bodies. Okay. And so I would say at this point, my superpower Mm -hmm. has always been in helping people with those stress and spiritual related underpinnings Mm -hmm. of their physical dysfunction, Mm -hmm. you know, to really connect that their body is trying to tell them something about their external Mm. environment and their external environment is giving them clues about their bodies and to kind of connect these dots Mm. and in the throes of when everything was falling apart for myself I backed off and I scaled down from seeing clients because I knew I was shoving a square peg in a round hole Mm. and as the stress management expert, I knew that that, like, I couldn't keep doing this and still right. claim to be a stress mm-hmm. management expert. Yeah. And in scaling back and doing some reading, I learned that mythology was a way of communicating scientific information. Mm. And so, for example, in the ancient Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris Mm -hmm. are the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle, how it rotates and tilts. Okay. So that was a way, they just communicated their science differently than we do nowadays. They did it through story. And so the Earth right now is at a about a 23 and a half degree tilt. And mm-hmm. I, my first question was, oh, what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? Mm-hmm. And when I pulled out my anatomy books, and I've had the chance to look at some real skeletons since, mm-hmm. the opening where the vagus nerve exits the base of the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord exits. Oh. And I know just from my biomechanical training, that normal rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae, which is where most of the, your, where we all get most of our neck rotation, mm-hmm. is 47 degrees to each side. So it's twice mm-hmm. that 23 and a half. And there's 47 degrees between the pole stars that our earth mm-hmm. points towards over thousands of years. And mm-hmm. our anterior cruciate ligaments in our knees, which is a very common sports-related injury, is also sits at an average 47 degree angle mm. in our knees. And so I, you know, and there are other angles too. I just, you know, what I was able to really piece things together and go, and just through experience, I knew that when people were not feeling well, these were angles, you know, that there were mechanical abnormalities mm. very often at these joints. Like at the knee, it's often, very often people's, uh, the tibia, like the shin bone, will mm-hmm. not rotate properly on the on the thigh bone at the knee, and that's something that I address a lot in people oh. that haven't been able to recover from a knee injury or a back injury. Mm. And so, the, so I was like, oh, these you know these mechanics are, and, and your vagus and I your vagus nerve <clears throat> makes the electromagnetic field of your heart because it innervates your heart also. And I'll talk in a minute about Mm -hmm. what your vagus nerve does, but so it innervates your vocal cords, your heart and your digestive system. And that's just skimming the surface Mm. of what it does. But in the way connecting it to the earth mechanics, we know through research that when solar and space weather disrupt the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. So our bodies are literally um, like mini earths. They are, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like we're this own, like, I mean, we, like you, in esoteric circles, you know, there's often talk about how we're a microcosm of the macrocosm. Uh-huh. But I was like, oh my gosh, you can literally put some math to that. Yeah. You know, in, in, like in terms of these angles. And the, you know, and so in, in treating the vagus nerve, I'll say, especially at the base of the skull, though I, for me, there are six major compression points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like putting somebody back on their axis. Mm. And I know many other practitioners that would say the same mm. thing. And the other piece of it really came to me when um, I did a, 
free online stress management training and mm-hmm. uh, shortly after this. And I ended up talking a lot about the ventricles in the brain and the ventricles mm-hmm. make cerebral spinal fluid. Okay. And I have a favorite image from one of my anatomy books of the ventricles of the brain. It's a compilation of MRI images to give you a 3D picture of what they look like. Mm. And at the time, I had been studying astrology just to figure out myself mm. in the midst of what was going on with me. And when I pulled out that, I pulled out the picture after I had done the class, I thought, oh, I'll just put this on my social media. And it was so obvious that, that they look just like the ram's horns for Aries. And in astrology, mm. Aries rules the head. And I thought, oh my gosh, where's the rest of it? Because I was in this, because if mythology is a mode mm-hmm. of talking about science, you know, does this, are these symbols just anatomical re- representations? And sure enough, they are. The way our hyoid bone in our throat sits on top of our larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus. And our aortic arches are the oh same my shape. God. Our aortic arches are the same shape as the symbol for Leo, and Leo rules the heart. And Libra rules the kidneys and our kidneys sit in our low backs, just Mm. like a set of scales. And so it works this way the whole way through the body. And so as a stress management expert, I know that in a chronic pain, you know, having worked with so many chronic pain patients over the years, the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain is that chronic pain gets locked into our limbic systems, which is where our emotions are processed Mm. and you cannot logic your way out of your limbic system. Yeah. You need a story. You need something emotional. You need an emotional key to get Mm. it out of there. And I would argue that even our chronic limiting beliefs get stuck in our limbic system, Mm. that it's not just chronic pain. I would say any kind of chronic habit belief, you know, pattern that we have goes there. And so you can use these stories and not just through Western, you know, through the Greco-Roman tradition, but through, this works through Egyptian tradition, the Vedas, mm-hmm. I'll uh, describe our anatomy as well. So the Hindu pantheon works with this in our anatomy mm-hmm. as well. And I've, so the story works really well in terms of getting people to, uh, to cry or get angry. And all mm-hmm. of the, all of the leading pain science experts will tell you that they get really excited when their clients cry or get angry because then they know they're going to get better because they've gotten Mm. into their limbic system. Oh my gosh. So it's important to actually feel something. It is. It really is. And the, um, and then I've turned that into a form of energy medicine that I use to teach other practitioners and Mm. to treat people all over the world, which has been very convenient in this COVID era to have that skill set and be able to teach it to others as well. Mm. Hey there, Driven Woman. I'm interjecting here to remind you that I have started the Driven Woman Leadership Circle Free Facebook community for all the Driven Woman listeners. This is where we gather and share our thoughts. Exciting things are on the horizons, and I want to ensure that you are the first to know and you are the first to benefit. So go on over to Facebook and type in Driven Woman Leadership Circle, and you should find us. See you soon. So Okay, so my questions are just like not coming because I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, in my head. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so well, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's okay. No, that's my favorite reaction. Well, I was thinking that what I should what I should probably do now is just tell you what the Vegas where where the Vegas nerve is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do that. Do that. Do that. that. <laughs> well, and so we're all familiar with our vagus nerves when we maybe go to do public speaking or make something that would make us similarly nervous. Mm-hmm. When we get a lump in our throats, yeah, and our palms sweat and our hearts race. And our stomachs feel funny. Yeah. We get those sensations because our vagus nerve function has been dialed down Mm -hmm. and our fight and flight system has been dialed up. Okay. So your vagus nerve is the biggest component of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is what it's your grace under pressure. It's your rest Mm -hmm. and digest. It's, 
your and it's your pleasure pathway. The mm. vagus nerve goes all the way from your brainstem down to the pelvis. In women, it innervates the cervix. Mm. It mediates inflammation, sweating. It, like I said earlier, it innervates your focal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. It sends information from almost all of your organs up to your brain. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we have more connections that go from our hearts up to our brain than from our brains down to our heart. Okay. So, our heart gives more information up to our heads than our head mm-hmm. gives to our heart. And your vagus nerve, when it exits your brainstem and goes down towards your heart, it, as it approaches your heart, it literally loops back up to go innervate your vocal cords. So I like to think of it as the nerve that allows us to speak our hearts. Yes. And this is resonating with me so much right now. There's this... Um what I'll call spiritual practitioner person that I follow on Instagram. I remember her doing this post where she was saying that your voice is connected to your pleasure. And she was like speaking, mourning, making noise um, to show excitement. It's actually a good thing because unless you use your voice, you're not communicating um, your, your, the feeling of pleasure that you're experiencing or your voice enhances Absolutely. It. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so your vagus nerve spans your second through fifth chakras. Mm. If you look at the Hindu system, so second chakra would be our reproductive organs. Mm-hmm. Third would be our digestive systems. Fourth would be the heart and fifth would be voice. And in the Hindu, uh, like in the chakra tradition, your mm-hmm. brainstem is considered part of your fifth chakra. So mm-hmm. where it innervates. And so that's your path of creativity to creative expression. So whether we're making love or babies or business or art, that's Mm -hmm. all second chakra energy. Yeah. And so your vagus nerve really moves that up into creative expression with the voice. And, you know, women have been so conditioned to not Not use our voices, Mm -hmm. you know, for so many years. And it's fascinating clinically. I just, one of my colleagues just presented at a professional meeting I hosted recently and she's a pelvic floor specialist. And she Mm. talked about this client of hers who uh, was having some, she was having pain with intercourse and I think mm-hmm. maybe some some urinary incontinence too. And mm. she'd only been married a few years and it started, as it turned out, they were living in a house that was split in two and had a shared wall with mm. renters on the other side. Oh, wow. And when she and her husband would make love as newlyweds, they kept, you know, she would suppress her voice because she was worried that the uh-huh. people next door would hear it. And, and then it, spiraled it snowballed into this way of being pelvic pain and like literal pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction wow and it's increasingly standard now in with uh pelvic especially within pelvic floor specialists to give your patients with pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction vocal exercises because if you can't move the energy up through your voice you create Mm. extra pressure downward. And so Mm. for people that have urinary incontinence or pelvic pain issues, uh, it's uh, early, but my colleagues, I know that specialize that. And if I get these people, I do it with them too. Mm -hmm. I'll give them vocal exercises and it makes a Mm. huge difference. We through research, we know that trauma always affects the voice and the breath or trauma and stress and your vocal cords and your diaphragm, Mm -hmm. which is the muscle we breathe with, are horizontally oriented in the body. Yeah. And so, and that's the plane on which we rotate. And so if you imagine nobody gets stressed or traumatized and has really great arm swing when they walk, Mm. we all lock up. Mm-hmm. up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. nobody's got really nice, loose, relaxed <laughs> yeah. walking style when they've been stressed or traumatized. And so your pelvic floor is also horizontal in the body. And so there's this, and so what I've built out with my system is this bigger recognition of where horizontal structures are in the body and where your vagus nerve can get compressed within mm. within them mm-hmm. and how and how they uh and rotation is an incredible marker of um not only vagus nerve health but 
even mental health. Mm-hmm. When I've seen, I, I get a lot of referrals for uh, anxiety, yeah, and depression as well, and the when. And I will say this, well, this is mostly for people that maybe didn't come with that, with, <laughs> with those referrals, but I will say that when somebody is very severely locked up in their rotation, mm-hmm. and it's something that you really have to have a skilled way of assessing to figure it out, figure it out, because we're all, we all are incredible cheaters when it comes to movement. Like we yeah. just take the path of least resistance and that's just what we do. It's, and but when when I see people that are very severely locked up in rotation at multiple points, I will always ask them if they're having suicidal oh, wow. thoughts. And the answer is always either yes or no, but I feel like I'm dying on the inside. Mm, oh, my God. And wow. my biggest success story is his testimonials on my YouTube channel. But he, this guy came to me just in this. Uh, he had had a trauma that brought on an acute onset of hallucinations and he was living in a nightmare where everybody's faces were melting. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, you know, my, my first, you know, as he was telling me this in his office, in my office, cause I, I thought he was coming for back pain or something. (laughs) I didn't, you know, my, my, a friend referred him in it. And, uh, you know, I got him set up with a, psychiatrist with extra help because I was like you know Mm -hmm. this wasn't you know my first thought is this is not in my wheelhouse yeah yeah you know but I knew I couldn't turn him away either at the moment and so I said okay I'll I'll decompress your vagus nerve and we'll see you know where it goes and at the end of the session 90% of his hallucinations were gone wow and we did one more to uh to kind of clean up the rest of it Mm -hmm. and I will say that um, really taught me, well, it taught me many things, but one, how much mental health really has this physical expression in the body. Yeah, yeah. And he texted me later that night and he said, Melanie, you saved my life and not in the cute kind of way. Like Mm. he was really, he was planning to kill himself that night if what I did didn't work for him. Wow. And so the the universe clearly conspired. Yeah. Yeah. You needed to yeah, you (laughs) needed to have been open to serving him and helping him in that moment rather than turning him away. Yes. And uh and it also taught me to bring all of myself to the table because you know I really I gave him uh like I have a lot of my sense of intuition is very strong Mm -hmm. and I just let that flow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with him. And so, and it was really powerful to just, you know, to not feel like, Oh, I'm just going to be the clinician here yeah, (laughs) and not bring that softer side of myself or, or I'm not going to dance around that softer side of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much of what you're saying is making so much sense to me. Even the bit you said about, um, just the way how your body looks and how you feel and your level of stress. It's I'm able to connect so many dots. I'm self, I'm self, what you call self-assessed to my own self. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what, yeah. And that's really what I do for people is in, in terms of connecting the dots. And so, and like for your business, you know, and so what's happening, you know, to take this even beyond healthcare, what's happening in our businesses is also showing up in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for example, when, like in the way I talked earlier about how Aries rules the head and Taurus yeah. rules the throat, you know, and so when the vagus nerve is compressed at the base of the skull, often our heroics and our desires are at odds with each other. Mm, okay. Like those Aries and Taurus kind of qualities. But so, and this is something that's really common with women, especially, that we are the hero in somebody else's story mm-hmm. at the expense of being the hero in our story. Right, right. And we're satisfying everybody else's desires at the expense of our own. Mm-hmm. And we're taught that to to do otherwise is to be selfish. Absolutely, or... absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, and our mothers were brought up that way and our grandmothers were brought up that way. Yeah. <laughs> and 
And so, and when I ask clients, and I know multiple practitioners and coaches and stuff that have the same experience, when you ask a client, what is it that they really desire? They often really don't know. Mm -hmm. Because Because they they have, I was going to say that they haven't taken the time to really connect to, to find that out. Absolutely. And, and they've been like, they've been conditioned that their desires are irrelevant Mm. essentially, or that it's not that their desires are not a priority for Mm. their life or anyone else's, you know? And so really nutshelling that down, you know, and connecting with that. And that's your voice, you know, our voice is where we express our desires. Yeah. One of the things I want you to go into a little bit is about the part where you said for persons who haven't experienced success or found it. Um, I think this is, this, this would have been something I shared in a podcast long time. Like I, um, so I just finished law school and, um, this is something that it's been a, a very long and intense journey. And two years ago, when I was supposed to sit my final exams, I passed all my exams except for one exam. And my year one exams passed them with flying colors. And then at the moment when I'm supposed to say, bye, law school, I'm over you, I failed an exam. And um, failing that exam, um, it led to a two-year wait to get to this point now. I'm relieved that it has happened, but that failure that I experienced allowed me, allowed me to reflect on a lot of things. And one of them was that I, I really genuinely did not feel that I deserved um, mm. to have that achievement or I felt like I was somehow betraying the people that that I'm around because they haven't experienced this level of achievement. So how can I possibly actually become a lawyer? You know, and when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this is this is what is happening. You know, this is this has a lot to do with some of the hiccups and the speed bumps I've had along the way. And so um, I really want you to speak about the experiences or what you've observed where failure and success is concerned and mental health and all of that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, one, congratulations. And what an amazing story. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I think, you know, certainly the, the being worthy part of it is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that, um, when, what we're inspired to do is at odds with our structures. Like, mm. you know, and that could even mean that just like our institutional structures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things like that. Because certainly when you go to university, you play, you agree to play a game, mm-hmm. you know, to oh, agree yes. to their structure of how <laughs> they give tests and, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot. <laughs> and when our inspiration and our structures are at odds with each other, it really impairs our memory of who we really are at the, our mm-hmm. deepest levels. And it can really interfere with our sense of why mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. that way. And I'll say that often lives around like the hips and the knee area. I'll say like structurally, if, you know, and people uh, like in a classic sense, that's where it'll show up. The... Um, <clears throat> One of my favorite ways, though, to think about how we navigate our futures mm-hmm. is from a tribe in the Andes Mountains. And I think this is just this, it gives me goosebumps every time I say it. They say that our futures are behind us, propelling us forward. Oh. And that our pasts are in front of us, waiting for us to make peace with it them Mm. and to make peace with our past and clear our way and the vagus nerve very often gets compressed on the back side of the heart we store inflammation on the back side of our heart and most of us are very unaware of the back side of our bodies Mm. to begin with yeah yeah and when people are in an anxious state or a high stress state they will breathe at the top of their ribs 
and at the front of their ribs mm. and they will not move at all on the back side of their rib cage. Mm. And so one of the exercises I give to decompress the vagus nerve is to inhale into the backside of our hearts. Mm. And if you go to my uh, you can go to my website, which is melanieweller.com, or mm-hmm. um, my social media is all embody your star. You can also go to embodyyourstar.com and put in your email address and it will send you a free vagus nerve decompression course. Mm, okay. And so I'll have people, I usually have them uh, wrap themselves up in a particular way, like for the, to inhale into the backside of their heart. So you could, for example, cross your ankles where your left one is in front of your right mm. and just very gently squeeze your ankles together to put your right hand on your left shoulder. So your right elbow is, pointing forward Mm -hmm. and to put your left hand comfortably in the small of your back. And if you can't do any of these motions or some of them because of any limitations you have, it's totally fine. Just do what you can or just imagine doing it. The beautiful thing about the brain is it does not see doing something and imagining doing something as any different. Mm. The same parts of the brain will activate. Okay. Like you can literally imagine doing bicep curls and your biceps will actually get stronger. Oh, wow. There's research that's like it's that powerful. (laughs) I'm imagining a flat stomach right now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, so it's amazing how powerful our brains are. So you can Mm -hmm. really just kind of imagine this, but it helps to kind of wrap yourself up a little bit if you're Mm -hmm. able to do it comfortably. And then to inhale into the backside of your heart. Wrapping yourself up accomplishes a few things. One of them is to give you just a stronger sensation of what inhaling into the back of your heart is. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, and I'll have people do that. I'll have them inhale usually for a count of five, hold for a count of eight, and exhale for a count of 13 or as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And do that a few times. And that's a v- And then I'll tell them this story of the tribe in the Mm. Andes mountains that says your future is behind you propelling you Mm. forward and your past is in front of you waiting for you to make peace with it and clear your way and so the story really you know and that usually hits people very emotionally Mm -hmm. at some level because they've never really thought of their future Mm. behind them we usually think that's something out in front of us that we have to chase yeah and to really feel that that the universe has your back yeah you know that you're supported and you're guided and to really start to trust your place in the world is a huge, you know, I mean, that's the foundation of any transformation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you have ever had any clients that, um, like, say, after six months to a year after working with them, they look totally different, like physically? Physically. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your posture, we know through research that your posture changes your hormones. Mm-hmm. And it will absolutely change um, your presence and, you know, so certainly the energy and depending on um, uh, one of my favorite things that goes with some of the cranial work that I have people do both physically and energetically Mm -hmm. um, with those that I work with online and some of the exercises I teach is that sometimes... uh, Often if for people that have had a little bit of a slack jawline, for example, mm-hmm. uh, it'll tighten up their jawline mm. and, you know, it changes the shape of your face mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, and so absolutely people, uh, you know, they certainly, um, well, it's not unusual for them to get some physical changes, but the, you know, the changes just in presence and lightness mm-hmm. and, and the beautiful thing is it doesn't even necessarily take six months. The thing about using the vagus nerve as the portal is that it's really the shortest and smoothest path to your highest potential. Yes. That mm-hmm. I think that, uh, that we can, or what I have found is that we can achieve change much faster than we typically believe. And I think that's something that this COVID era is teaching us. You know, if you had asked a big company how long it was going to take to flip everybody to working at home, they would have said six months and they they all did it in a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and 
you know, that this idea that it takes, um, like I understand some things take a little bit of time, but I do think, I think time can really also be a cop out when you're not really treating the root of the problem, when you're really just treating a more superficial layer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, you know, and what really got me hooked on using the vagus nerve as a uh, treatment intervention is because like I could decompress the vagus nerve at the base of the skull and it would change somebody's knee and foot biomechanics. Mm, Interesting. And, you know, or I could decompress it, uh, you know, at the level of their diaphragm or heart and it would change how their neck is moving. Mm. And it would, when people have chronic, particularly chronic conditions, um, they, like I can find abnormal biomechanics head to toe. Wow. And as a clinician, I could kind of make myself crazy trying to treat mm, every single thing, every single thing, <laughs> you know, it's like it becomes a lot to process in your yeah. own head. Yeah. And so the game I always played with myself was what one or two or three things can I do to make 10 or 20 or 30 things better? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so your vagus nerve really gives these beautiful fractal effects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, and I will say that it often makes people cry because, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think, I think, um, I would say that a huge part of trauma is not just the emotional experience, but it's that your vagus nerve itself is traumatized, that it's experiencing some mechanical stress upon it. And so when you take that off, you get the emotional release that goes with that. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite reactions from clients is when they, when we're finished and then they start to move and they're a little confused about where their pain went. Mm. Wow. And, And then they're angry because they've struggled with it long enough they look at me and say, why do, do, doesn't everybody know how to do this? Wow. Yeah. Hidden knowledge. <laughs> Hidden knowledge, right. Well, and I, yeah, my, uh, I left my, uh, so I'm working, I'm working really right now to not make this hidden knowledge and to really teach this yeah. and get it out there on, on a big scale. I had a, a Vedic astrology reading earlier this year and it was my first Vedic astrology reading. And the first thing she said to me was, Melanie, do you hoard occult information? <laughs> busted out laughing. I was like, I do, I do. I hoard information. <laughs> I have lots well, of information that nobody, so I'm writing my book right now yeah. and uh, I'm going to launch another training program mm-hmm. in early 2021. And so I've got lots of pathways now I'm working on uh, launching my own podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really working to get, um, uh, to not hoard the information, information so everybody can have it. <laughs> And, you know, I must say, um, it's so unexpected. Um, you know, as human beings, we do this all the time. We look at people and we make our assumptions about what they're like. And I would say that I didn't expect to be having this conversation with you. And I am so happy that I've just been on this journey where I'm like, I just want to explore. I just want to learn from people and to not judge, you know, their the prototype, you know, that they seemingly fit. So, um, yeah, mm. yeah, please, please <laughs> keep sharing. Um, I want to get a bit nosy. Um, sure. So, um, so this month, you know, you know, a lot of conversations are happening globally where women and overcoming, uh, relationship challenges with their partners, intimate partner violence, that sort of thing. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're divorced, but um, but I, I wanted to know, like, what um, what do you have to share with women who uh, may have had been with a partner where they didn't feel like they could always speak up, for example, as you had mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. or where yeah. you know it seems as though their partner has checked out, but because their self-worth is so attached to that relationship, they don't know how to either get out or they don't know how to live independent of their connection to their spouse. Right. 
No, I think, well, I am not divorced. Okay. I was, um, uh, Though I will say I've come <laughs> where there was a point where we were heading that mm-hmm, direction. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate where things can really unexpectedly fall mm-hmm. uh, fall apart. I, at the end of the day, you can really only change yourself. Mm, yeah. And the interesting thing about changing yourself is that it changes how people react to you. Mm. And so when you know, when you're really trying to claim your self-worth and use your voice, part of what you have to really be prepared with is that people don't know what to do with you. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've, I've had this experience with my um, like with my parents, for example, Mm -hmm. like there's, you know, they got to, you know, when I stopped being the family doormat, Mm -hmm then like my parents and my siblings really didn't know what to do with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God, who is this person? Who is this? Right. It was very, con- yeah, it was very con- confusing. And I will say they didn't necessarily particularly like it, but it was, but I knew that, um, uh, well, I'll t- this is one, an exercise I, I take a lot of people through. And again, I think it's that, um, treating story is like, and really understanding your story is so incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I will often um, ask people what their soul looks like. Mm. And this came to me probably eight or nine years ago. I had one of my mentors sees auras and he told me that my Mm. aura aura was purple and at the time I said well what does that mean and he probably said a lot of things but what I remember <laughs> what I remember <laughs> that he said <laughs> was that it meant royalty and I was like oh I'm the queen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, my husband would identify with that aspect of me I would say I, I wear the crown very comfortably <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I realized that I'm the only person that can take off my crown Mm. And that I get to wear, take up all the space I need to take up with my big royal queen, high priestess cape all fluffed up. And that I will always have to dance with other people's energies, but I never have to shrink. Mm-hmm. And so when I would get rattled, for example, I would literally just imagine my queen and, you know, and check to see if her crown was on straight and her cape was fluffed okay and if not then I would literally just use my hands to straighten it out Mm -hmm. you know reimagine it back into place and that was a very powerful exercise for me to stand up to people Mm -hmm. that I previously would not have or to have hard conversations that needed to happen I would you know make sure my all my uh my crown and my caper in place before going into a difficult mm-hmm. conversation. And it always made it smoother. It was very settling to my nervous system mm. in a way that was uh, just incredibly striking to me. And it showed up, I mean, uh, you know, and that eventually translated into uh, like, I love public speaking, but my body would often disagree with me where it was <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not nervous in my head. Why is my body having this problem? <laughs> And, you know, where I, I, I stopped getting nervous. And I think that the, the falling apart of things just has so much value. And I, I contextualize a lot of this around the myth of Isis and Osiris. Mm-hmm. And in that story, Osiris was the king of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And his brother, Set, was angry and jealous and wanted to be king. And so Set tricked Osiris into laying down in a bejeweled coffin and had his soldiers close the lid, nail it, carry him to the Nile River to send him downstream to his death. Mm -hmm. Isis found out about this, retrieved Osiris's body to a cave and brought him back to life. Set found out about this and was furious. Mm. And so he tracked down Osiris and chopped his body into pieces and scattered the pieces down the Nile River. And... 
Osiris's wife Isis again found all all of the pieces, took him back to the cave. She had everything mm-hmm. except for his phallus, and for that she made a new one. She brought him back to life long enough to conceive their divine child, Horus. Mm-hmm. And then Osiris went on to be king of the underworld, which for the Egyptians was where all life came from and all Mm. treasures were found. Interesting. And we use dismemberment metaphors in our language all the time. We say we're falling apart. Mm -hmm. We We can't get it together. Our hearts are broken. Our lives are shattered. Yeah. And while if I imagine being... In that story, most everybody except for Set and maybe his soldiers thought that Osiris's destiny was to be the king of Egypt. Mm. And really his destiny was to be the king of the underworld. Mm. And he literally had to fall apart to come back together in a new way. Wow. And I thought for years that my destiny was to be a highly credentialed physical therapist. And I spent yeah. years collecting letters after my name, as you, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the introduction. Yeah. And really my destiny is to be this highly credentialed high priestess. Mm. <laughs> and that I really had to come apart, you know, to have, I, I had a, you know, my, I had some physical issues that were really challenging. My, um, I had a professional lawsuit brought against me. And, you know, I and my marriage were all falling apart at the same time. Mm. And that lawsuit got dropped. And I will, uh, I unapologetically say that it got dropped because I did the work on myself to figure out yes. what, yeah. you know, it, it was, I mean, it was awful, but it, it brought up all of my own self-worth, inadequate, you know, self-worth yeah. Yeah. issues and really taught me how to stand in myself in a whole new way and it read you know it made me think well gosh if I lose my license what am I going to do with my life (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. or how else is this going to work and I really had to use my all of my own mind body medicine and learn a lot more of it to um you know and really figure out just how to show up you know like it all ultimately took me on this path if you had asked me if I would be having this conversation with you or anyone else 10 years ago, I would have said, no way. That's yeah. <laughs> like, that's not where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so we have these, um, I think to really value that process of falling apart because it's an invitation to come together in a new way. Yes. Yes. You know, that how the, you're thinking of yourself too small. And I know that that's a very abstract <laughs> um, sort of answer to that question. But I mm-hmm. think that, you know, it's women that we all like, you know, like we've got to put on our crowns and, you know, and really stand so deeply in who we are at a level Mm -hmm. that we haven't before. And that absolutely comes with some risk. The risk is like, are people going to love you, you know, and that's what it feels like, you know, and, and, but the universe literally has your back. Yes. And that, you know, sometimes people do fall away from our lives, but then more amazing people come. Mm, in. Yes. And, you, you know, I always describe it as it's like stepping off the edge of a cliff. That's how I feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when yeah. I put myself out there very often or when I, you know, even still to this day, when I, some, you know, use that in more intuitive side of myself with, with clients. But every time I step off the edge of the cliff, the ground shows up. Yes. And so, um, you know, to those people really struggling with relationships, I'd say, you know, really just have a good visual of your inner being and really work on lining yourself up with her that her feet are in your feet and Mm -hmm. her heart was lined up with your heart and her eyes are lined up with your eyes. Yes. (laughs) And, um, you know, and to really... Uh, think, you know, think bigger about yourself and what's possible, you know, because when you feel like you're stuck, it's, you know, and I know that there's really hard situations out there, especially right now, but there's um, the beautiful thing about that breathing and for the backside of your heart is that that's really where the universe, like we can plan the who, what, when, where mm-hmm. of things, but the universe very often has to bring us the how. Mm-hmm. You know, that things can often come to us in very unexpected ways. And I find that's a very heart level uh, 
process energetically. And so, but, but as you, you know, um, as you stand really in who you are and as you get your own, you know, work on yourself and get your own stuff out of the way, everything around you will change. My son who's 16 now, when he was about seven or eight, he was a little slower to learn how to read. And Mm -hmm. he, and and then he labeled himself a bad reader and then he didn't want to read (laughs) because Mm -hmm. he wasn't good at reading, you know? And so then it was a whole struggle that we didn't want it to be. And I had a big breakthrough for myself with a coach I was working with at the time. And within hours of that, he walks up to me and says, mom, I think I'd like to write a book. Wow. (laughs) And I said, great. (laughs) So we, (laughs) I set him up to write it, you know, to, uh, he wanted to do it on the computer. I said, well, you know, we opened word and I set him up and he learned how to read more through typing and having word correct is spelling (laughs) (laughs) you know then like writing this book and you know I mean and he reads fully fluently now he's doing he's in a great school and doing super well and you know but like I literally got my own stuff out of the way and it gave him the space to expand Mm -hmm. and I think the root of all dysfunction whether it's a limiting belief or a physical pain or a disease or uh, you know any struggle in life is resisting our own expansion in an ever expanding universe. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, being open to knowing that there is much bigger out there for us to experience and to embrace. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation, Melanie. Um, I feel like we need to do a part two. Uh, oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I would love that, Sophia. <laughs> but before you go, um, please tell us what keeps you driven. Oh, um, what keeps me, like, honestly, it's my, uh, it, I will say magic keeps me driven. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> that love that this is, so. I love that answer. I love that answer. I think, you know, I mean, even though I can explain so much of what I do through some science and wisdom yeah. traditions and whatnot, there's the outcomes that I get, you know, and the, like in the, you know, and just even my own transformation, there's like really um, just embracing the magic of life because I think we're uh, in Egyptian creation mythology, what I equate to the uh, cardinal directions they would say were knowledge, wisdom, magic, and truth. And our modern Mm -hmm. world embraces knowledge, wisdom, and truth. So, but we don't really embrace magic. And so I think that there's, um, uh, and I think even if you can explain it scientifically, it's just really that when things happen really quickly, it's, you know, that feeling magical, magic is just that feeling of like how amazing things are and how amazing life is. And I like to, uh, my dream is one day just to start introducing myself as a magician. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Why the heck not? Why not? Yeah. (laughs) But in the interim, I'm warming people up to that idea. (laughs) Yeah. We we have to, um, we have to say words like, um, I'm an, an expert in yeah metaphysics. <laughs> Even that sounds a bit woo-woo to some people. It does. I know. I've I've really struggled with kind of like with that, like what to call myself over with different things. But that's okay. Like mm-hmm. it'll you know it can evolve mm-hmm, and change. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. but I think that I think in embracing some magic, I think we could all use a a, a sense of magic and and the research shows that awe is really good for us. That mm. awe is good for your nervous system. It's good for your health. And I think that's part of where, uh, where magic lies too, is in that sense of awe. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, we've passed the hour mark and we yes. have to go. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, you've already shared your website with us where we can find you. And I'm looking forward to showing this, this, this show. And oh, before you go, did you read The Alchemist? I did. I love that book. Oh my God. Oh. I'm, I'm listening to you speak and I'm like, I bet she read that book. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fantastic, yeah. Yeah, I made my kids read it one summer recently too. I was like, you guys, like, you guys are old enough now. Them. This is required, required reading for being human. I have a list. I think so. I think so. Okay, do you have any more recommendations, required readings for humans? 
Oh, um, I will say the book I've re- I just recently finished that I think is is called Breath by James Nestor, N E S T O R. And then when my book comes out, yes, yes, that will be required reading. Well, I'm holding you to it. You <laughs> used your voice and you said it out loud, so <laughs> it's gonna happen. Thank you, thank you. All right, thank you so much for being um, on the show and. Um, Yes, I'm looking forward to sharing this and people messaging me and, and be like, Sophia, who is this woman? Where did <laughs> Thank you, you, Sophia. Where did you find her? <laughs> you, you, you made some magic. Yes, <laughs> Somebody, yes, right? yes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Driven Woman podcast. If you received a value from this conversation, I encourage you to share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews allow other driven women to benefit from the amazing conversations that we have over here. Follow the show on Instagram at Driven Woman Podcast and on Twitter at The Driven Woman Show. Until next time, stay driven.